Back in the olden days, this show was called the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Now it's the Bride Chiller Podcast because we're in the future. Don't get confused. Just enjoy it. Relax. Go on a journey. You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. I'm Alicia, and today I'm very happy to be joined, well, by a gentleman caller. That sounds rude. It's not like that. Tony, he is, uh, you don't hear men's voices on this podcast enough, and I'm trying to change that, which is sort of ironic because we should be hearing more female voices. I don't know. What am I doing? Tony is a wedding DJ, and can I just say he has the coolest thing in his signature here for his email. He is the chairman of the NA DJ London do you know what that is? That's the National Association of DJs. Tony, that is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not as cool as it sounds. <laughs> Do you float that one around and go, dudes, I'm the chairman of the NADJ London. You should say oh, that. Yeah. yeah, I tell everyone that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds ace. I mean, I'm trying to picture what goes on at these association meetings. Do you bring decks? What happens? What goes on there stays there. We're not allowed oh. to divulge that information to anyone. Fair play. Fair play. I'm going to picture that it's in a big dark room and you're all wearing big Beats by Dr. Dre headphones and you bring your decks and all of your various digital files. Has she been there? When did she do that? <laughs> I'm a spy. I do my research very well on this podcast. Right. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much for joining me. Today we're talking all about wedding entertainment, music, your experience. You've got over 20 years of experience and, and skills, mad DJ skills in wedding and weddings and lots of other entertainment forms. So we are going to pummel you for information about how to make wedding entertainment great and not necessarily a big fat show. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough, he says. All right, let's get to it. Tony, tell me a little bit about how you got into this business. What, into being a DJ? Yeah, DJ, mate. Wow, I started DJ when I was a kid. Did you? Um, I, I, I was always buying records when I was a kid. Loved music, crazy about music. My whole family was. I was all. By the time I was sort of 12, 13 years old, I had a pretty big record collection. And. Whenever friends had parties, they'd always ask me to bring my music along. I got a bit anal about other people putting their fingers all over the vinyl oh, yeah. and would end up not letting people touch my records. <laughs> and one day, one of my friends was having a birthday party in a pub and I ended up playing a music all night. And at the end of it, the, the manager of the pub came over to me and said, oh, can I book you? Um, that was really good. Can I book you? And I looked at him and said, book me for what? He said, <laughs> for for Christmas party. I said, yeah, but book Doing what? What do, you, what, what do you want me to do? He says, to DJ. I said, I'm not a DJ. He said, well, you just DJed here. And it, I'd never, it never crossed my mind before that I could make money from it. I just did it because I loved it. Yeah. And then from that, I started to get into it. And I ended up, I was a club DJ for years. I worked all around the world for a long time as a club DJ. And then I got back to England and kind of fell into weddings and have been doing weddings ever since. And that's what I specialize in now. So tell me about some of the adventures you would have had. Club DJing, to me, I reckon some crazy shit would have gone down in your career. And I'm look, I'm sure you've probably got hours of these sort of debauched stories. Or maybe you're a very sensible gentleman. I, I, there's not a lot I can tell you about some of the <laughs> places I went. Well, put it this way. I lived in the Far East for 10 years. Um, and there were some 
crazy things happened over there. So, yeah. <laughs> but which I think your experience in playing those sort of gigs must really prepare you for anything to go down at a wedding because I know crazy stuff can happen at weddings, un- unplanned things happen at weddings. So you must be cool as a cucumber when it comes to this. Well, it's really the experience I had from the club scene that has been really helpful in, in many ways which I would never have thought so. I mean, for example, because I spent so much time in, in so many different countries, sometimes, for example, a couple of months ago, I remember I was doing a wedding and there were some Indonesian guests there. And I happened to spend quite a bit of time in Indonesia, so I've got some Indonesian music. So I suddenly chucks on a couple of Indonesian records, like really rare Indonesian, like dangdut music, which is uh-huh. a sort of very local form of music in one, you know, some areas of Indonesia. And these guests suddenly jumped up and were looking at me and they were almost screaming. They <laughs> that this white guy was playing Indonesian. He's like, how do you know my dangdut music? Exactly, yeah. And, and I've had other situations like that where I've suddenly, I've found out there's some guests from whichever country it might be and I've chucked on some music from, because I, every country I've worked in, I've always bought music. Wherever I go, I'm always buying music. Mm. And so I've got a really eclectic collection covering all, all like a really diverse range of eras and genres and cultures. And, and so I, I like to surprise guests. And if I find out there's guests from a particular country, if I can fit some music in from that country at some point, I would do because I, cause it, it always makes them happy. And that makes the bride and groom happy. So. Absolutely. And that's such a, a, a actual personal sort of detail that you've said there, that you've been observing, you are at the job, you're not just going along and playing the same stuff. Because I think this is really, when I think about wedding DJs, I think of either the super pros where just they know their stuff, they're going to have anything you've asked for, they've done their their research, which is you know what you've just hit on there. And then you've got, I always say the guy's called Steve. Now, I have no problem with a guy called Steve, but there was a particular wedding DJ I could think of when I say this DJ called Steve who's just a bit of a dickhead and doesn't really care about his job and you know you would have to battle these people in a DJ sense all the time in this industry is that am I on the right track am I being too mean no not at all and and the thing is in my position as you know in the National Association of DJs yeah and we have regular meetings and so I, I know I'm not exaggerating when I say thousands of DJs yeah I bet and and one of the battles that we have is is trying to improve the image because DJs the stereotype of a DJ is not a good image, and, <laughs> no. and in many cases it's well founded. Yeah, it's, there's it's good reason why. It's Steve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. DJ Steve. Um, Sorry, Steve. But there's a, quite a few wedding DJs now in in the UK who are really trying to raise the game and really trying to catch up. Mer- American DJs, in as far as weddings go, are far ahead of the UK. And they're from a far higher level of professionalism, but also far more caring about the clients. And that's mm. starting to happen a lot more over here now. Can you can you go further into that? Tell me, because I have a lot of US listeners as well as UK listeners and people in Guam. I, I kid you not. But who, what is different about the American sensibilities when it comes to the GJs? What, what is the care that you're talking about? I think they cottoned onto it before many people did here. Well, I'm not. It's obviously exceptions, but but there was quite a few DJs over there, and it seems to me it started really kind of picking up steam in the mid '90s, late '90s, um, who really started going so far out of their way to um, please their customers in any way they possibly could, and really over delivering, and you know really over delivering on customer service and on performance, and in many other areas as well. Mm. 
Um, and and then it was from there that the, the thing started with the, the whole day, not just simply DJing for the disco, the reception, but also being a master of ceremonies during the day. Yeah. And then being able, able to impact the uh, the wedding in you know in a really positive way and really helping really enhance the whole thing and th- and that's really started to take off here in the last few years and there's a number of DJs starting to do that and I use a phrase called a wedding host mostly because I don't like the phrase master of ceremonies master of ceremonies I remember seeing a picture and I think I tweeted it of a guy who was in a wedding magazine who's an old man and he was in a white ruffled shirt with some sort of he looked like a mare an old school mare with some gold yeah. chains but not like rapid chains exactly. and he had a big hammer thing and I'm like yeah, listen what are you doing I don't know if I want the hammer guy with the chains at my wedding exactly. and that's and I can see you now on the Skype screen you don't look like that you're not wearing any chains no, I tend not to wear my chains when I'm being interviewed. But, <laughs> but it's the the whole it's exactly what you just said. People's stereotype, well, people's perception of a master of ceremonies is military who's barking orders at everyone. It's really formal. It's not a lot of fun. Mm. Wedding's supposed to be about fun. Yeah, and most young couples don't want, or a lot of them don't want that type of person. But they, but there's aspects of what they do which are fantastic. Yeah keep things running to time, they keep all the guests informed as to what's going on and then there's various other things that they're coordinating with the various suppliers and, and it just makes things a lot smoother and you get much smoother transitions between different parts of the day. So I'm doing that aspect of what an MC does but then there's a lot of things I do which a master assemblies would never be able to do, like a traditional Toastmaster would never be able to do. Mm. So I'm incorporating music into a lot of what I do to make it more fun and make it more relaxed and a bit more informal. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say because I think the music does change throughout the day and I think a lot of people just, as you said, think of the dancing at the end of the night or when if the disco, is, as they would say, in the UK. And it's not necessarily about that because you've got to think about some music to, to eat by. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and music—it it starts before that, of course. The ceremony. Well, from the ceremony, I mean, I, most couples now put me to play the music for the ceremony, mm. and the main reason is is because I don't know. I mean, you, I'm guessing you've been to a fair few weddings. I have indeed. Right. So, have you ever been at a wedding where any actual ceremony? And what often happens is the music is left to some junior member of staff or a relative who it, doesn't yeah. know how to work a CD player. Absolutely, and so what you get is. There's a couple of things happen. Very often the bride has got a specific piece of music that she loves and that she's dreamt about for a long time that she wants played as she walks down the aisle. Mm. And very often there's a piece within that music track that she really likes and would ideally would love to have that point in the music played as she reaches the groom. Yes. And that often will mean that it needs to be cued in from, say, two and a half minutes or one minute 57 or whatever it might be. Well, the venue staff aren't going to do that. They just simply play from the beginning. And then it gets to about 30 seconds by the time she reaches the groom, which is not the part of the music she wanted. Mm. But even worse than that, when she gets to the groom, he presses stop. Oh, kill me. (laughs) It's so bad. And how horrible does that sound? Completely. This lovely piece of music playing, and then it just, boom, it just stops. Whereas I'll gently fade the music out, and then during the sign-in of the register, I'll have already made sure I know exactly what pieces of music they want, and I'll play those at a nice volume that doesn't disturb conversation, but adds to the atmosphere. And then for the recession, I really sort of like, we, I, I mean, I meet all my couples about three or four times before the actual wedding. 
And so I, I'll have got to know their personalities and I'll give them some suggestions of things that can be played at the recession which really suit their personality. And when you but say that, recession, for people that wouldn't know, what's a recession? What's, what's so your when, recession? I can't even say the word. The, or recession. <laughs> um, recession. It's when the whole thing's finished. When the ceremony's finished, they're now husband and wife and they're leaving the venue, leaving right. the registry office or they're leaving you know, wherever it might be. And that's when people start chucking the confetti. Oh, and great. And you need a happy piece of music that reflects their personalities. Mm. And it needs, you know, something really with a, a good beat maybe or great lyrics or whatever it might be, but something that really reflects the, the two of them, yeah. And so from that point of view, and I love that you just said you meet them three or four times because, again, this is something that couples listening now can actually say, oh, we'll be a bit more proactive if we haven't got a DJ that is insisting that we at least meet in person or have some sort of contact, this is probably a good way to say, well, maybe we're either not with the right people or we can do better and encourage them to get that personal connection happening because music preferences is so personal. Absolutely, yeah. If if your DJ doesn't want to meet with you, my advice would be you don't want to book that DJ because mm. the worst thing you can do, you wouldn't you wouldn't buy a dress without trying it on. Why would you book a DJ without meeting them? Because you need to know their personality. You need to know the personality is going to match. You need to hear their voice. Is it going to be the type of guy who's speaking like Smashy and Nicey? I don't. Do you know Smashy and Nicey? No, please. I'm intrigued. You know that kind of that real <laughs> DJ voice. Oh, uh, right. The one that's all yeah. I'm the DJ. Yeah. I'm a bit of a knob. Yeah. Okay. Really that... want someone who's talking like that on a microphone all night? <laughs> you know, and there's a number of reasons you need to meet the person. And we, we, I could spend an hour just giving you reasons why they should meet the DJ. Mm. Now, when you meet them with this meeting, what should you be asking them? What are your points and tips that you can give couples, no matter where they're getting married, about how to make sure this gal or guy is your DJ for the night? Well, for, you need to be asking them things about... You, they, well, the DJ, first of all, needs to just shut up and listen for the first 15, 20 minutes <laughs> and just listen to what... Um, what the day, what kind of day the bride has got in her mind, how she wants the day to flow, what kind of things that she likes, what she doesn't like, what she's seen at other weddings that, that were kind of good, what she really wants to avoid, um, situations family-wise, um, you know, there may be there's relatives coming over from a particular country, and so you need to be taking note of all this kind of thing because if she says, for example, oh, we've got like 20 relatives coming over from Denmark, well, you need to have some Danish music there. Yeah, good. If, and, it, and there's lots of things that the DJ should be just taking notes from. In the first 20 minutes, he shouldn't really be telling them so much about what he can do. It's about listening to what they want. Mm. Once you know what they want, then you, well, I mean, this is how I work. I shouldn't be saying what other DJs do. This is how I work. So I listen hey, to you're them. the head of the association. You need to make this note. <laughs> He's the king. Just listen to him. So once I've listened to what it is they want, and then I suggest, okay, based on that, well, this is some of the things that I can do. Yeah. And I showed them a little, a few, a few slides and some video and some photos and whatever to see if this fits in with how they want their day. Mm. And then we just kind of take things from there. And then we probably, as I said, we meet a couple more times to start really planning how we're going to do all these different things because there's a number of things that I'll do during the day 
which really add to the fun, which adds, adds to the ice breaking between the two families and, and so on. Yeah. Tell me about that because sometimes, and I have I get a lot of listener questions where they're saying both of our families live on the other side of the country or in other countries completely. They don't have the connection that we'd love them to have and the wedding day is sort of the first day that they're all going to come together. And it's interesting that you made that point that maybe music can actually be something to bring them together. It's a universal message. But it's not even just music, and this is something that's close to your heart. What's the best thing that brings people together? together? A laugh, a good laugh. Laughter. I knew you were going to say that. I love you for saying that, Tony. And so some of the things that I do really early on in the day, from the beginning of the wedding breakfast, that's when you really want to start bringing the energy up and getting people having a laugh. And, and then if you've got people on the same table who maybe don't know each other, if they're laughing, laughing together... That makes it much easier than to start conversing. Yeah. And so some of the things that I do to help them achieve that is if you think about weddings you've been to in the past, and it might be if you're a friend of the bride, you might not know anything about the ushers or maybe even the best man or vice versa. If you're a friend of the grooms, you might not know anything about the bridesmaids. Mm. And there's many guests during the whole wedding from the time they arrive to the time they leave don't know the names of any of the bridesmaids, ushers. Yeah, that's a good point. So one of the things that I do to... To achieve a number of things, to help with the ice breaking, to get a bit of laughter in the room, to get some energy into the room, is, I'll, and this would have already been planned with a bride and groom a number of times before, is I know everything about the ushers, the bridesmaids, the best man, the maid of honour, and so on. And then, just before the grand entrance, so that's when all the guests have come into the room, they've all sat down for the wedding breakfast, and everyone is in the room apart from the wedding party, and the bride and groom, obviously. And, and then, so the wedding party don't know anything about this because this is a surprise we play on them. Oh. The bride will sometimes mention something about it but won't tell them exactly what's going to happen. And then I line them all up and I say, okay, listen, guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be bringing you in pairs. So it might be one bridesmaid and one usher and then another bridesmaid and another usher and then maybe the, the maid of honour with the best man. And then so I get them to, they come to the, the first pair will come to the door and they're standing at the door so all the guests can see them. And then I'll say, for example, right, this is Mike. He's known John the best, uh, the groom, since they were five years old and they went to Boy Scouts together. Oh. His nickname was Lanky because he was so tall when they went. <laughs> and I say something funny about him and something crazy about it that he did when he was 10 years old or whatever. And I move on to the bridesmaid. And same thing for her. I say, oh, she's known Becky, the, the bride, since they were... Um, at school together and they used to they got expelled at the same time or whatever it might be and again something funny something funny that she did once or something crazy she did on the hen night or whatever it might be Mm. and then I play some thumping piece of music that has some relevance to one of them and now the two of them walk in together and they've now got a choice they can simply walk to their table or they can do some funky dance as they go to the (laughs) table Now, if they do a funky dance, the crowd loves it and everyone's yeah. jumping up and you know, laughing and, and cheering and so on. And then the same thing for the next pair and the next pair and then the crescendo, the bride and groom. And there's, I do things in a different... It depends on how the bride and groom's personality are. Sometimes I do a little love story about them. So I, I find out a lot of information about them, how they met, how the engagement happened, was she really surprised, how did he plan it, some things about holidays they've been on. And I would, would tell this story to everyone. But, but 
the way I do it, he doesn't know exactly what I'm going to say and she doesn't know what I'm going to say. Because I'll have found out information from her separately to when I found out information from him. And then I create the script and I put it all together and I, and I tell this story. And then at the end of the story, I get the crowd to jump up, get all the girls waving napkins in the air, get the guys going <laughs> crazy, bring them in. They're doing high fives, everyone, as they walk into the room. And then they eventually sit down and the energy in the room is electric. <laughs> Tony, this is like I'm. I'm sure people at home are listening to this, going Jeepers Creepers. We need to up our game, DJs out there, because this is, this is classy stuff you're doing here. This is a lot of extra miles you were taking, and I can imagine sitting. I was you were a very good storyteller. Well done. But I was imagining sitting in that audience then, or guests just waiting and learning all this stuff. Because you're right. So much. I've been to so many weddings where. I don't know those girls in the matching frocks. I've got no idea what they do with their lives or how they know the bride and groom. And that is actually a really big part of why they've picked these people because they're clearly important people in their lives and we have no idea. You're a genius. And that's something I always say to them. These people are really important to you and that's the reason you've picked them. Why does no one know about these people? So true. Oh. Look, I think there'll be, you know, thousands of people listening to this just ripping that idea right off. But, you know, you could actually come and hire Tony. That's probably a good decision to be making. But if you can't get Tony, tell your DJ. And, and as I say, there's a number of DJs now starting to offer services like this. And I use the phrase wedding host because I don't like the master of ceremonies. But it's also because what I'm doing is not what the master of ceremonies would do. And it needs to be distinguished or differentiated. It's brand Tony. And so, <laughs> okay, but I, we tend to use the phrase wedding host, and yes. there's a number of guys in the UK, I mean, all around the UK, I know guys in Scotland doing this, in Northern Ireland, in, in, in Ireland, in all around the and obviously in, there's loads of guys in America doing this in mm. various places. Um, I have to say, I have to do a little shout out to our wonderful, we had a wonderful DJ at our wedding called Andrew McLennan and he is a Melbourne comedian and he is wonderful, but he's very well known for running these awesome um, music nights, which were called Finishing School and they're at a, a local sort of theatre and they would, we'd just turn up on a Saturday night and he would play the most gnarly, clo- gnarly songs you've ever heard. It was amazing and everyone would dance until we'd sweat and it was crazy. And so we saw him and, and said, Andrew, please come and play our wedding and he was has he dresses like he's from Mad Men he's got this amazing 50s sort of style comes with a pretty eclectic you know music set and uh, I sort of trusted he was his judgment we gave him a couple of songs we really wanted to be played and then I was just like do what you want because I've always enjoyed what you do it was risky but it worked out okay but he was the sort of guy he dances behind the decks and then sometimes you're dancing and you look up and he's not there and he's right next to you dancing. And I always really like that sort of personal touch. But, you know, again, we knew him. We auditioned him by going along to his gigs and that really worked for us. Some people would go, we don't want a DJ that dances. But I always thought for us and our night, that was perfect. And I've heard about that guy, actually. Have you? I know a few Aussie <laughs> DJs. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard about him, yeah. He's really fun. If you're in Australia, book him. He's worth it. Right. <laughs> That's my little plug for Andrew McLennan. I could not mention it when we're talking about DJs. Hey, Tony Winyard, I'm going to talk to you more, but we must just go for a quick, short message from me. Tony, it is all about DJs, music, hosts, master of ceremonies, wah, everything. And I really want to talk to you about music choice and selection because often 
when I talk to guests, I think part of the thing is they get stressed with the actual planning of the wedding and then the music gets left to the last second and people mm. freak out. Please, let's talk them off the ledge. Let's make sure they do this properly because it's very important. Well, one of the things that often happens is, well, I mean, naturally the first thing they need to book is the, is the venue and that yes. makes so many different uh, reasons. And then they'll often book the photographer next. But it, very often it seems that the DJ is left till a good few months after those two things have been done. But what they don't realize is, uh, is that the best DJs do get booked up quite far in advance. I mean, I've got bookings for 2017, never mind 2016. Whoa. And not just me, I know many other guys, it's the same situation. And I get so many inquiries for, for next year and most of my, a lot of my dates for next year are already booked. Mm. And then I get people disappointed and it's because they leave it, they don't really leave much time between booking the DJ and it often seems to be the case they think, oh, well, the, the DJs are going to be free. But the good DJs are booked quite far in advance. So if, if the entertainment is important and if you want a DJ as opposed to, to live music, you, it's best to book them far in advance, it, basically as soon as you've done the venue, yeah. ideally, really. Because it's such a big part of the show, the wedding show that we're going to call it. It's such a huge part of the day, music. It, it can have a huge effect on the day because if the DJ sucks, the mm. wedding sucks. And the, the best um, expression I ever heard about this is a guy in America called Dave Windsor. And he uses an expression, or not expression, but he says, if the wedding party sucks, if the DJ sucks, you end up with just an expensive dinner party. It's so true. That is so true. And at a, at a wedding, it's not about the DJ. It's about the bride. They're the stars of the show. And uh, mm. what I try to do, and, and again, many of my colleagues try to do as well, it's all about the bride and groom. And everything I do is to make the bride and groom the stars of the show. And it's not about my ego or anything. But if you've got that DJ who thinks that he's as good as he's ever going to get, that's not always a great sign. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about um, exactly what you're saying. Are they Are they people that want it to be... The Steve Show. Yeah, exactly. And they'll have tons of lights and tons. Oh, my God. And they think they're in Wembley Stadium. Oh, no. And the thing is, the bride works so hard to make the room look stunning. You know, and she's got a colour theme everywhere and it all looks really beautiful. And then the DJ marches in with tons of metal and scaffolding and poles and and just destroys the room that she worked so hard to, to make look stunning. So that's a good point to make that they need to ask what their setup is. What are you? What gear are you bringing in and what are you... See photographs and video. Yeah, that's yeah. such a good point because you don't want, as you said, if you've got a beautifully manicured, if you're in the Savoy or Claridge's or somewhere like that or a lovely hotel that's quite ornate and minimalist or classic, you don't want someone bringing in a DJ pit or something. Well, it's not even just that. You also want to see some video of... Oh, but you want to know their attitudes. Mm. One of the a good question to ask is, um, what's your attitude towards self improvement? And if it's they deep, they, Tony, <laughs> and, and what's their attitude? To, what's more important, the music or you? Yeah. If they think the music's more important, then they they're not really they're a little bit small minded because it should be about their skills that they can bring and whether that be in some humorous things they say on the microphone but not putting anyone down Mm. um about their music knowledge about their customer service about helping people there might be a situation that's got nothing to do with djing but you see something happen on the dance floor and you can go out and and help someone or alert someone or whatever it might be there's there's a lot more to it than Mm. 
and I'm going off on a tangent now. No, so. I love the tangent because that's also I hadn't even thought about the gear and and you know the look of things. I I was thinking more of the musical aesthetics rather than the physical aesthetics of what it's going to look like. You know all that stuff. Well, and if you're in somewhere like the Clouds or Savoy, the last thing you want is the DJ coming in with lights flashing in people's <laughs> eyes and lots of different coloured lights, and it looks really ugly. Yeah, yeah. And and so, for example, I just use I use minimal. I'm probably use less lighting than any DJ in the country, because it's not about the lighting. The lighting, all it does is entice people onto the floor. Mm. And so, I don't have any lights spinning round going in people's eyes. Everything is very colour matched and. All the lights in the room will change at the same time, but they won't be, be changing, you know, sort of like randomly like that. They'll be gently going from one colour to another and creating an atmosphere to entice people onto the floor. Mm. But then that's as far as it needs to go, really. Yeah, we're not in Ibiza. It's a wedding. No, no exactly. Yeah, we're not reaching for the lasers. We're just yeah. reaching for our partners to dance with them. Uh, or single. I've danced a lot as a single woman at a wedding, and that's been fun too. Okay, well, I make one very strange guarantee to all of my couples that I work <laughs> And it's that I, I guarantee that I won't get everyone dancing. I, well, so that's great because it's true. There will always be people sitting down going, I'm going to get up. I'm not doing it. Or people going, I'm not into it. I'm happy to watch. What I mean by that guarantee is that, you know, you've, heard, you've probably heard, well, you certainly heard DJs that will guilt trip people into getting onto the floor. Oh, and gross. they make everyone get onto the floor. Yeah. Just because someone's dancing, that doesn't mean they're enjoying themselves. No. And if they're on the floor because they've been guilt-tripped into being on the floor, they're probably not enjoying themselves. No. So I won't guilt-trip anyone into getting on the floor if they don't want to get on the floor. You don't want begrudging dancers. No. You want joy dancers. Because people can have a great time at a wedding without going near the dance floor. Absolutely. So you, I, for me, I want everyone to have a great night. And whatever that might, whether that be staying at the bar all night or dancing on the floor all night or a mixture of, of all, you know, all of it. But I won't guilt trip anyone into getting on the dance floor. Yeah, guilt trip DJs, shove it. That's what I say. You know, I, I and I don't want to be specific because I've been to lots of weddings, but not that many weddings. Uh, but we went to a wedding where there was a band and I saw it. You know, when you see the band set up, you're like, all right, this is going to be ace. There's a band. We're going to dance. And they, unfortunately, we find out later on, the band was booked by one of the mums and they weren't great. And they managed to turn every cool song, they did it at sort of half time. It was like really, they slowed down everything. And I still remember Brown Eyed Girl. And, you know, that's not exactly a big dancing number, but it certainly gets the oldies up off the, Mm -hmm. off the, and they played it like, Brown Eyed Girl. And it was so slow, I'm like, just fucking kill me. It's just, and I shouldn't, that's awful. But it was such a Debbie Downer. By the end of the night, we're like, I can't get up. I can't dance at this halftime anymore. It's awful. And it ruined the night. <laughs> now, that's harsh, but it's also true. I don't know where these people came from. They sounds should go to band jail. It sounds like a really fun wedding, that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an awful human being, but you got to say it. And I can because it's my podcast. Also, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I did go to a wedding where they, the couple loved Radiohead. Now, I also love Radiohead, but I don't need to hear it at a wedding. It's not the best dancing music. <laughs> uh, and it's nice to listen to. I mean, and like Paranoid Android is a great song. It's an amazing but, song. But not at a wedding. I just struggled to dance to it. And there was, like, they really played a good Radiohead compilation. And, of course, it was a brother-in-law or someone doing the music who that's what he liked and that's what – and do you find that a lot of people 
think DJing's easy that some family member will just be able to pick some tracks and rock it out and not have to worry about it. Absolutely, yeah. Ugh. And, yeah, well, there's a couple of things about that. One is that, yeah, many people don't realise how important it is to play the right track at the right time. Mm. And and that kind of all boils into or ties in with the whole situation. You know when you get people going and asking requests to the DJ? Yes. And they, they want the, the song played next. And they say, oh, you've got to play that song next. But what they don't realise is thing, things need to flow in the right the right way and you need to play genres together and eras together and if you suddenly go from a 60s song to a current dance track to an 80s song to a reggae song it's not going to flow and you everyone's going to on the dance floor is going to be looking at you like what the hell are you doing and you're going to have an empty dance floor pretty soon tony i have been the drunk girl that's come up to the dj i'm so sorry please play my song <laughs> and, it, and it's a thing when people come and they demand the song next and you can't go into an explanation about why you know you can't the explanation i just gave i can't do that to everyone who asked me for a request yeah. especially that so they've I, had 19 champagnes exactly so i just have to say yeah okay and <laughs> not to say, it's not going to be next and i just leave it at that yeah. because there's no point in trying to give them a long explanation because no. they're not going to listen um but yeah that's the reason why i mean if if I can possibly play the song next, I will. Sure. Or I'll try to play it as soon as I can. But what's more important is that I play it at a time that's going to keep the energy on the floor and keep the momentum going. Mm. And and if that means they have to wait for two hours, then so be it. Tough titties. Yeah, exactly. Because it's more important that I keep the momentum going rather than just satisfying one person. How do you feel? Um, I've been noticing a bit of a trend lately, and I think I've talked about it before, where you know, RSVP card, people have been asking for their guests' favourite songs or what's the song that always makes you dance? How do you feel about that as a DJ? Does it help you or hinder you? Um, it, well, both. I mean, I have some, a similar service. I, I have a, an online service. My music database is online. Mm-hmm. And I allow my – I've got a private uh, login code for all my clients, all my couples that work with me. And they can go onto my uh, music database and create their own request list. And there's a, there's a facility on there where there's a guest request list. Ah. There's a link that they can send to all their guests so their guests can choose music as well. However, what I always say to couples when I'm explaining how this whole thing works, I say, look, this guest request system is good and it's bad. Yeah. I say it's good because it gives your guests in choosing their favorite songs, but it's bad because just because it's their favorite song, that doesn't mean you can dance to it. So true. And and I've had situations, I mean, I mentioned I meet couples a few times, and I remember one example about a couple of years ago, and I was meeting with one couple, and it was about a week before the wedding, and we're looking at the songs that their guests had chosen, and there was about 20 songs. And there was 10 songs, and the groom said to me, look, these 10 here, I don't want to be hearing those at my wedding, forget those. Good on him. Yeah, but the problem is, the people that chose those 10 songs are going to be thinking, well, why ask my opinion if you're going to ignore it? Oh, yes, this is true. So all you're doing is winding up people, so... It starts off, it's a good idea, but reality, what I usually suggest to people is don't send it to everyone. Just send it to people whose music taste you trust. Yeah, so Crazy Arnie Bev, don't bother asking. Exactly, yeah, because you don't really want to be hearing Pink Floyd at your wedding. No, again, a great band, but not wedding music. You'd be amazed at how often people choose things like Pink Floyd. Really? And you can't dance to Pink Floyd. Well, well... in the wall, possibly, but nothing else. If you're on acid or something, perhaps, but it's probably not for weddings. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's what I always say. You know, it's, it's, it can be good, but 
well, we'll put it this way: of of the couples that book me, probably twenty percent use that the the guest request system. Most people don't go near it. What's the um? And not, I'm not going to put you on the spot for song titles or anything. Although I feel like you are knowledgeable enough that you could probably throw out twenty t- song titles right now. But what is the genre that you know will get people up off the asses and dancing, no matter what? Well, there, there, there isn't. Yeah, good, good answer. Because I'm tricking you. Every word is different. <laughs> I mean, it's a cliche, but it's true. Every yeah. word is different. I mean, the, the Motown works at most weddings. And, for example, Superstition works at most yeah, weddings. Yeah, everyone loves dancing to Superstition. But not every wedding. And every now and then, that will clear the floor. And so you've really got to read the crowd. The way I work is I'm, I'm all night long, I'm watching a crowd. I never know more than two songs in front what I'm going to play. Because it totally depends how they're reacting to what I'm playing now. And sometimes I think... I'm going in this direction musically. And then I look at the crowd and I think, oh, actually, they're not getting down to this as much as I thought they were. Mm. And so maybe, for example, I'm playing Motown at the moment. And I was intending to play another two or three Motown songs. But then I can tell from the body language that they're not, they're kind of going with it, but they're not really digging it. So maybe I need to go to some 80s or I need to come to some current dance. So I, need, I just need to change. Yep. And, and then I start playing a couple of 80 songs. And then they go crazy. And then so I end up, I think I'm only going to play maybe two or three, and I end up having to play about six or seven because they're loving the 80s. And so you, 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 it's impossible to predict what's going to happen in 10 minutes' time, never mind about an hour's time. And, but, but also you said about is there like a piece of music or a style of music always works? No, it, it depends on the crowd, mm-hmm. depends on the atmosphere, depends on the weather. Because if it's warm outside, lots of people want to stand outside because it happens so rarely in the UK. Of course. You've got to get out and use that sun while it's there. If, if, there's, a, if there's a photo booth in another room, that affects things. Mm. If the buffets just come out, that affects there's There's so many different factors that you have to kind of take into consideration as to when you play songs. There's some songs that will work really well early on and won't work late and vice versa. Oh, it's like a real science, Tony. You really... Well, inspiring me here. I've got to think about playlists and songs and what works. This is fascinating. Well, it's something like, I mean, for example, Mr. Brightside. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been well overplayed the last few years. But it's the type of song that works at many weddings. It will work really well in the last hour and a half. If you play that at 7, 8 o'clock, it doesn't work anywhere near as well. Because pe- that's the type of song a lot of people need to have a good drink to and then they go crazy. Mm. If they haven't really had a, you know, a few drinks... They kind of dance kind of half-hearted to it, and it's not the same energy. It's amazing. I, I was just thinking about, um, I, you know, the weddings. I love getting up. I will dance until they tell you to leave, you know. I just feel like that's the joy of weddings for me and being able to share that with people. And, I, and all my happy memories from weddings have been dancing. And to be honest, and I've said this before on the podcast, Rich and I danced all night and barely spoke to anyone at our own wedding. And that was my wedding, and I wanted to do that. So <laughs> I'm sorry, guests. I know them all. They're fine. But that's the real success for me. So I think hearing you say that and hearing your passion for it and also hearing about how much forethought really does need to go into it to make it all work, just really I'm so happy that we get to share this time with you and you get to share this with my audience because I think a lot of people don't give it the thought and they need to go away and have a long, hard think and plug in the iPod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. I don't know how to sum that up better because I want to talk to you for another four hours, but 
people have got to get to work. They've got to go for a run. They've got to do their stuff. But, Tony, right. I feel like we should do this again. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot more information I could tell you that will be helpful for the listeners. So, yeah, if you want to do it again, absolutely. Let's book it again because I had another 10 questions on my list that I didn't even touch because we got into cool stuff. So that's how it goes. It's Save okay. the Date Wedding Podcast. This is what we do. Tony, if people want to get in, in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, well, if they either just Google Anthony Winyard Entertainment or the actual URL is awe-dj.co.uk. Great. And I will tweet that link out. It'll be in today's show notes. Visit savethedatepodcast.com. It'll also go out on Facebook, on the Instagram, on the Twitter. I do it all. And I so will. I'll, so I'll be getting bookings in, in America now, will yeah, I? Yeah, you will. Hey, oh. you, Tony, you'll get on a plane. <laughs> well, I've done weddings in France and Italy. And... Of course you have. Yeah, no and- problem. And also, I, I just want to say, I've got your bio in front of me. You've gigged at Claridge's in the Savoy. They're very fancy. It wasn't bad, Ed. It was a nice cup of tea as well. <laughs> just cost you 40 quid to get that cup of tea, but it's delicious. Um, beautiful <laughs> venues. They are really nice. And um, look, I, I think this has been so valuable. And if you have a question for Tony before he comes on next time, maybe you've got a music-based question, maybe you're having a musical conundrum, a master of ceremonies question or a host question. I think this is probably a great topic to have Tony on as a Q&A guest as well because wedding entertainment's a really big subject that um, we haven't talked enough about on the show. So, Tony, I'm so happy to be able to invite you back and, and hopefully well, get some feedback. And it's been a pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. So. Oh, well, gee whiz. This is great. <laughs> Just come on more often. Or at least some we talk about comedy as well. Well, exactly. I was going to go off on a whole other trail about comedy, about you saying about when, you know, watching the floor and seeing people keep dancing or leaving. It feels a bit like stand-up when you can feel a room and just go, oh, my, do I take this off on another direction? Do I stay on this topic or do I milk this? It feels exactly the same. So, yeah, yeah it's been but really it's, nice. It's amazing how many parallels there are, actually, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, look, here we go. I'm starting a new conversation. I must end. Thank you, Tony, so much for being on the show and I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. been a pleasure, Alicia. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right?